Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and all my friends and family and supporters. This is Krista Fee with the Battle to Be podcast. And I know this is not our normal time to come to you, but I have a really special guest that is up in Canada and he's super, super busy. So to bring him to you, we are doing a special edition of our show today. So please give a warm welcome to Mark Meinke, and he is the host of one of the most phenomenal long-running trauma podcasts, and he brings tons of amazing resources and guests to you guys that will show you all the different things that are available to you, all the different ways that you can approach healing and give you tons and tons of valuable information. So... I'm going to let Mark tell you about his podcast, so I'm going to bring him on right now. Ta-da! Ta-da! It's magic. It is. It's podcast magic. <laughs> so, Mark, tell us, before we get into your amazing podcast, tell us a little bit about who you are as a person and your life right now. Life right now. Well, I'm a healthy helperton. Always have been uh, since since I was a kid. When uh, I, I remember way back in grade six, they did the um, hey, let's see what type of career would be good for you. Came up with social worker. Like, well, I, I landed a long way from that as a soldier. But um, when I ended up being a soldier, was, I knew I had to do something because I was such a uh, loser in high school and um you know just did the bare minimum to get through it so uh ended up joining the, the army in the infantry because that's where people go who don't have great marks uh, regardless of your intelligence level but um off i went to the army and uh that was tough man uh just being in the infantry as a trained killer uh it was a tough transition for me because i'm the healthy helper to, i'm the nice guy and uh, the first couple of years of, of soldiering was, was tough to make that transition because when I went to battalion, I didn't do, go to just any battalion. I went to the third battalion, which uh, up here is, uh, I hesitate to call it special forces, but it's the um, more high speed, low drag battalion. So the, the aggression level, the fitness level, it's all, it's all up there. It's kind of like the American 103rd Airborne um it's similar to that where we're not jumping out of planes lots of guys were jump qualified but uh we were the air mobile unit um so we're in better shape more aggressive do more training you know we're high speed low drag and um uh, that so had i gone to the one of the other two battalions it would have been fine you know it would have been an easier transition but the third battalion was something else and um Anyway, uh, I stuck it out and, until I was deployed to Croatia in 94. And uh, although I knew there was something wrong because of the temperate burst that started mid-tour, um, I, I knew I wasn't quite right. But nobody, and I mean nobody, was talking about PTSD back then. And uh, plus it was accepted. So if I'd fly off the handle and jump across the table at a guy and grab him by the throat, it was like, eh, yeah, good one, man. It just it wasn't condemned. It wasn't it wasn't causing concern to anybody. Um, so I went well, 23 years, I think, is the number undiagnosed. 
uh, with a train wreck of a life in the rearview mirror before uh, I finally had the moment where my second wife, because I, I completely cooked the first marriage, um, put her hand on my shoulder and Mark, it's okay. They're just crumbs. You don't got to be screaming at your kid. They're just crumbs. We can clean them up. And I just had that moment like, oh boy, this is a problem. I've got to deal with this. And, uh, and that's when it started. And that's been about five years on this healing journey so far. And now I realize, ah, oh, this is forever. All right. I got to be vigilant forever. All right. And, uh, through that, the show kind of, um, at, at some point came to be because I realized being the healthy helperton that all the stuff that I'm learning on this journey, there's a pile of resources out there and nobody knows where to go to find them because there is no central place. So I'm becoming that central place. And uh, right now the show, I think last I counted, we're in 55 countries around the world, but about 23% of the audience is in the States. And given the massive size of the veteran population down there, it should be closer to 90. So I'm hoping that that continues to grow because a lot of the resources I talk about are in the States actually. Um, and sometimes it's just the modality of resource. So um, like people are like, well, what, what's up with this ketamine treatment? So I get experts in on that, or people want to know about psilocybin or the efficacy of veterans retreats. So uh, what we have up here, you have down there too, and it gets people thinking, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go, go try that now. It doesn't sound so woo woo. Maybe it's, it's worth a shot. <laughs> I love that. Woo woo. I, I, being a service provider in the United States, the woo-woo is the scary thing because tough guys in helping professions don't want the woo-woo junk. But if you can give them that logical explanation for why something works and you can take it to the brain science place, it's much easier to sell the stuff that is packaged as woo-woo. <laughs> well, more and more, uh, uh, Kelsey Sharon, she was on Jocko Willink's show. Uh, she's a Canadian army veteran she's in afghanistan she's in the artillery so she is a combat armed soldier and um she's right into the woo woo and because it works and she's finding all kinds of uh, special operators uh, both canadian and american and they're doing the same thing man like uh, these hard charters the special operators and uh the real ones not the stolen valor ones that we keep running into the actual ones and um uh, they're doing the they're doing the mindfulness training. They're doing the meditation. And because of that, they're, they're, they're getting by, you know, when you run into these high performers like Jocko Willink, or, uh, there's, there's so many Eddie Gallagher, there's so many, um, or the ultimate Goggins, you know, the reason that they're stable and level is because of what they're doing in their habits, whether they, they realize it directly or not. But, um, especially those with tours. You don't need a combat tour to have PTSD. Not at all. That's not true. Um, and it's not a weakness to have PTSD. It's an injury and nobody is immune to injury. Uh, one of the things I really try to hammer home is that it's an injury. Nobody's immune. There's no such thing as being so tough that you can't possibly be injured. It's not true. And there are some that think, well, I, I've got for tours and all combat tours. And it was all super hairy stuff outside the wire. Um, and I'm fine. Well, you don't know that. 
if you just got out of the military two years ago, uh, all of your, for a lot of people, and, and was was the case for, for me, but I see it so often, uh, your defense mechanisms that you don't even know you have are completely in place. The gallows humor, um, the, the disassociation, it's firmly in place. So you're, la you're telling the most horrific stories that are making people just, uh, they're all shocked. Um, and you're laughing. That wears off. It can take 20 years for it to wear off. But it wears off. Then all of a sudden you have this moment where you look back at the thing you used to laugh your ass off about. And you're horrified because you realize, oh, my God. That was not funny. That was horrific. And when that happens and uh, the, the reality of those situations hit, at the OSI clinic, at its Operational Stress Injury Clinic, we've had people come in that were Vietnam veterans, right? And they didn't have that, um, uh, that moment of, holy shit, for 40 years. It happens. We've even had Korea veterans coming in the clinic. You know, uh, 80 years old, and all of a sudden, yeah, I thought I was good, but <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm seeing things a little bit differently and remembering things a little bit differently and remembering things that I didn't remember before because, because they were blocked, and blocked memories is a thing, believe me. Blocked memories and replaced memories. I've, I've had a few of those uh, that bit me in the ass 20 years later. But... Um, it can hit you later on. So if you're not doing the work now, when it hits you, it hits you hard, man. It's amazing that you're bringing this up. I literally just had this conversation with someone yesterday that what we're doing is healing, but what we're also doing is creating, we're creating resiliency. We're creating habits and resources that if you don't experience anything bad and you don't need them, that's great. They still help you with your heart rate. They help you with your keeping your chemicals regulated. They keep you in a better mood. They make your life just generally better. But if you do need them and you're not in the habit of using them, then you're not going to have the resource when you do need it. So people who fight the small things, the structural things, the breathing work, if you know how to calm your nervous system because you've just practiced it for so long with mindfulness and meditation or any number of a million different strategies, if you've practiced it, you only have to start and you only have three seconds before your brain runs away with you. If you're what we like to use the word triggered really commonly in society, when we mark me and like when we're talking triggered we mean actual out of control emotions and responses not you're pissed off just because you're reacting to something that word's kind of been stolen um so when you're triggered if you're prepared to calm your nervous system you can stop a trigger from running away with you if you don't seek help until you've been struggling for months it's a lot harder it's still possible and healing, but healing takes time. So if you're prepared, if you're ready, if you have the weapons on board to fight that fight and you're using the proper tool for the proper job, 
you're not going to have as severe of a reaction and you're going to feel more in control of your own life. And for PTSD, control of your own life is the biggest hope, dream, and desire. I'm a huge believer in resilience. And unfortunately, it is so rare that you can find a resilience program um, in recruit training, whether it be police, military, paramedic, uh, anywhere in the EMS. They, they still don't talk about it. You know, maybe it's 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, but it, it's got to be a big, big focus because the downstream effects, if you don't um, right from the beginning, say, look, here's some of the things you might be experiencing. This is what it might look like. And when you start seeing this in your life, well, that's a symptom. And what, one of the challenges is that other than ego, of course, where people are like, oh, I'm good. I'm strong. I'm fine. Uh, but one of the challenges is that um, PTSI, PTSD, post-traumatic stress injuries, uh, they cause blind spots and people don't often, people often don't know that they have the injury when they have the injury. They can't see the symptoms in themselves. Their, their self-awareness is just not there. Their situational awareness, their impact that they're having on others, they can't see it. And they think the other people's the, uh, the asshole. You know, it's like, what the hell is your problem? What are you, a snowflake or something? It's like, no, that's not somebody being a snowflake, dude. That's you being a dick. You're being <laughs> a dick. And you don't know that you're being a dick. That's not them being a snowflake. Point that finger at yourself, not at them. You know, if you're blowing up the room all the time and uh, and the one causing everybody else to be uh, upset, this is why so many people at some level, they, they, they realize like, ah, uh, I don't seem to play well with others. So they end up being truck drivers. There are more veterans on the road driving a big rig truck than you can believe. Cause they just like, get me the hell away from people and, uh, just get me on the highway. What they don't know that they're doing other than avoidance, of course, is it's meditative when you're on the highway, which is why so many veterans have a motorcycle. I got a motorcycle. It's like my favorite thing ever. It's the best way to meditate personally and um, meditate and mindfulness. It's so good. Wind therapy, we call it, but it's a thing. And so people put themselves in these positions. They don't realize that they're self soothing. They just know I feel better doing this than I do doing that without really connecting all the dots of, oh, I'm self-medicating. I didn't even realize that I'm self-medicating. Well, why are you self-medicating? Because you're not dealing with your shit. You got to deal with your shit and admit that you are the asshole. And, uh, and it's not your fault. It's an injury. But the symptoms of these injuries is quite often you're being a jerk. And, uh, and you've got to own it because it can be fixed. It can, uh, I mean, the wolf's always at the door, as far as I know. Uh, although people are saying after ketamine treatments and whatnot, the wolf is no longer at the door and you've truly legit permanently healed. Cool. Haven't seen it yet, but, uh, that, that's what they're saying. And that's very, very hopeful. But for most folks right now, the wolf is always at the door, but you got to know that the wolf's at the door and you got to realize that you're reacting to the wolf being at the door. And that's where the mindfulness therapy, self-awareness, um, and, and, and finding better coping strategies. 
because if you don't find the healthy ones, you'll be cracking a bottle. Oh, I feel like a drink. And that's where the alcohol, the drugs, homelessness, and suicide come from. Because you got on the wrong road. Get on it early, man. Get on it early with the healthy coping strategies and awareness because nobody's immune from it. We just, because we've been watching for a while, and as a program, we do help with the PTSD. PTSD. We still use PTSD. Um, but I use post-traumatic stress and trauma spectrum injuries. I kind of prefer that terminology, but the, the industry is still stuck on PTSD. So um, I work on the healing side after effect, but recently, uh, Battle to Be, we've been hitting the front side too. We're going into emergency rooms. We're going into fire departments. We're going into police departments, and we're teaching these skills to the youngsters, to the new cadets, to the, to the trainees, to people who are just going into the positions so that they have already got these, the knowledge and the foundation for stress reduction, anxiety, and overwhelm. And we don't stress it as a PTSD program, but really what we're doing is we're kind of creating a foundation for prevention. Um, and the other thing that we've taken to doing that's a little bit strange and has gotten some a lot of negative feedback, but I'm still going to stick with it because I believe this wholeheartedly and you kind of touched on it. We're not just preventing suicide and we're not just preventing the, the illness itself. We're preventing domestic violence, divorce, yep. child abuse. And those types of things. And if you're in the industry, you know that the statistically the amount number of divorces in returning military personnel, no matter where they are or what they're serving, the number of divorces is horrific. And and for the special operators, it's like 90%. And why is that? Because they have shorter, more intense deployments and more of them. So they're having higher rates of post-traumatic stress reaction. Because even the high-speed, low-drag uh, um, crew, nobody is resilient to it. I mean, not, not true. Nobody is immune from it. Immune. What I mean. You know, yes. um, and no matter how resilient you are, everybody's got a breaking point. If uh, I've never seen somebody that lost a leg or two have anybody come up to them and go, you lost your leg to a landmine? Really? You got weak shins or something? Or are you just not observant? You didn't see that the disturbance in the ground? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? That you lost your freaking legs from a landmine? Nobody does that. Because there's not a damn thing you can do. Shit happens. You hit landmines. You hit IEDs. I'm the only guy I know that hit a tripwire and lived. Uh, or at least didn't have holes poked in them. I didn't blow up after I hit a tripwire. Uh, real lucky. And, uh, and I know dead people. Uh, that hit tripwires, but you're not immune from it. There's, there's, there's nothing you can do from a blast. If your leg gets sheared off, it's not your fault. It's not because your boots weren't on tight enough. It's because it's a freaking landmine and that's what they do. And, uh, it, we have to look at mental injuries the same way because it is an injury. 
it's a neurological injury. You can stick somebody in a MRI machine and they can see the neural pathways to the amygdala. They can see the damage. They can see that your brain is, is working, is in fight or flight mode permanently. And, and, and that's what it is because the throttle gets stuck on full. That's what, it, that's what an injury is, a PTSI is. It's um, or OSI, operational stress injury. It's, it's all the same shit. At the end of the day, when you've had a holy shit moment or a thousand holy shit moments, like happens with first responders, whether it's cumulative or whether it's one or two uh, really big events, the throttle gets stuck on full. Now, for uh, anybody that's got a manual transmission that knows uh, how to drive a standard, and if you don't, imagine your uh, car, your automatic car, and you put it in first gear, and you try to go on the highway, and you're trying to do highway speed in first gear, and the motor is just, just going. You're in first gear and you're doing all that this car can do, but you're also when other people just cruising by no problem, no effort at all, but your car is, is absolutely redlined. It's doing everything it possibly can. That motor is going to blow pretty soon because it's the, the whole system is just being overloaded and it's working way, way, way too hard. Well, the guy in the other lane doesn't know that you're in first gear. So they're like, what the hell is your problem? Why? Like, this is easy for me. Why isn't it easy for you? It's because you're redlined. And, and it's like that with a PTS injury. Um, our, our system is, is locked on full. The throttle is stuck on full. And you might not even be aware of it. So you've got to know what the symptoms are. The, the bad sleeps. I still have nightmares. It sucks. And I was in war in 1994. It was a while ago and I still have nightmares. Um, damn near every night. It sucks. But um, they have actually got better over the last six months, which, which is nice. But um, if you go into a restaurant and you tactically pick where you sit and you know where all the egress points are and you're looking around for weapons of opportunity, if you know, like I know, that the, the in a diner, the sugar dispenser that's full, the glass sugar dispenser is a freaking great dead blow weapon. And you already know that. I didn't have to tell you that. And you're like, oh, you, you noticed that too? Or the nap or the or the tin napkin dispenser. And you've thought about using it upside somebody's head more than once. And you're aware of all threats at all times. And has been going on for years and you haven't sought help this is no way to live it's exhausting it's brutal and you wonder why you're a little bit short-tempered you're always ready for a fight that's why you're short-tempered your cup is three quarters of the way full at any given point in time a healthy person their cup here's my cup is oh there's there's my there's my logo there ooh. but a healthy person their cup is about a third of the way full give or take because life happens life is rough everybody goes through shit everybody's got a story fucking everybody but when you go into um training just the training can can fill that cup up a little bit right because now you're more high speed low drag and that 
you go into a war zone or as uh, any kind of first responder, the first responders would be like, oh, filling up a little bit at a time year after year or sometimes a big event. But in a war zone, you're getting shot at and everything else, whether you're outside the wire or inside the wire, you're right up here. Now, if you have too many events, it gets stuck up here. And that means something little small, like my kid isn't eating the, uh, their, their vegetables. And well, when you're down here and, you, and it gets raised a little, it's no big deal. But when you're already here and it gets raised a little, it overflows. And the overflows is you have an angry face. It, and sometimes it's all it is is just the face that we make at people. And they look at, at you and, and, and they're hurt. They're hurt just by the face that you made. And that's enough. But if it's more than that and you're raising your voice and you're yelling at people and you're saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Why can't you just pull your head out of your ass? And you're judging people on a regular basis, road raging. The fuck is your problem? <laughs> it's not them, dude, lady. It's you. It is not okay to be the one screaming at the idiot drivers because it's actually you that's being the idiot. You just can't see it. Got to point the finger at yourself and uh, other people shouldn't be bothering you other than a minor annoyance. If they are, it's because your damn cup is full. So draining the cup is probably the hardest thing in the world. And that's what um, most therapies try to do is they try to drain the cup. A PTSD coach like yourself is trying to give you a bigger cup. It's really tough. Like you do your best to, to drain the cup a little bit. And, and you do your best through therapy. That's what therapy is for. But through mindset, mindfulness, you're, you're increasing your capacity instead. And when you increase your capacity, it comes down. It's still there. All that shit still happened. It didn't go away. But you're able to hold it in a way that um, doesn't fuck up your life or the life of others. So I rarely have the opportunity to have people on here that know <clears throat> as much about PTS from an experiential standpoint and from a working with other people through treatment standpoint. So I want to ask you a question that may or may not work for you. If you don't know anything about this, that's fine too. All right. I've gotten really hung up on an idea that there is a key factor in reintegration that we're missing. There's something about the process of returning people home and that all of that training to become a team and not to have a self-identity, there's something at play there that we need to focus on rebuilding an individual's identity and the ability to connect with other human beings who aren't on their team. Does that make any sense to you? Does that make... It makes complete sense. Um... So are you talking about um, just coming home from tour or, or leaving the military or both? Both, either or both. <laughs> well, the self-awareness training is, is the big, big thing. That's mindfulness, right? 
it's okay when we get home you might be noticing that and if you notice that that is a sign or a symptom for you to go whoa take a step back and come talk to us because we need to do some work and here's some tools to if you find that a and b and c is happening here's some tools if you find that you're feeling anxiety um that you're on uh, alertness that you're hyper alert that you're always looking for threats um come talk to us because we need to do some work and we might have to remove you from the from the home for a while you know like just stay away from your family see them on weekends or something for a while you know um so it, it's it's awareness but there's a couple of things about about what you're talking about to um we, we could talk about it for hours literally <laughs> but when somebody's getting out of the military let's talk about that when you are part of the big green machine i was an army guy so i'll just talk army um uh, but it's the same in the other elements in the states you got the extra one the marines but when you're a part of that great big green machine or blue machine if you're air force um you're a part of something bigger you know kind of like the uh when rambo went off i was in charge of million dollar equipment and now can't even keep a job pumping gas or parking cars uh, well that's a that's whoever wrote those lines really had it figured out because that's exactly it uh you're a part of something big part of um you're, you're instilled with a sense of massive purpose and importance and then you get out and maybe you were a sergeant when you got out but whatever even if you're uh, one hook private it's tough to feel like you're part of something big again you know uh, my tour was a united nations tour they're shitty tours and uh so i was wearing a blue hat and we had the, uh, the un flag i was like man that's that's like kind of a big deal isn't it? it it felt like it was a big deal and it felt like uh we were part of something big so you get out and then there's a couple of different types of veterans there's there's ones that um they hide all their shit except for maybe a couple of mementos and then that's it and then there's others that uh they do their vehicle up and and the clothes that they wear and every conversation that they have and it's all uh, it's all about their service forever <laughs> 30 years later it's still uh, the bulk of my life is about my service and it's always going to be a part of you uh, you that old saying you can take uh, the person out of the army you can't take the army out of the person that's completely true um and that's okay because there's good there's some real good parts of it and you know hang on to it that, that's fine but there's people that's all that they're hanging on to because what they're actually trying to do is hang on to that sense of purpose and identity that they had when they were in because they haven't replaced it with anything that's a big part of what operation tango romeo is for me my podcast it's now i have a new mission so instead of hanging on to the past which isn't with me anymore it's gone it's nice to remember and reminisce but that's not getting me forward the man i was isn't the man that i am the life i had isn't the life that i have and you without that sense of, of purpose and it doesn't have to be some big epic thing it doesn't have to be your own show or uh 
but just fucking help somebody. Help somebody, anybody doing anything and do it at least once a week. Whether that is volunteering at the local food bank, learning how to be a peer supporter, something, something that resonates for you, but help somebody. And then you got that purpose back. Without the sense of purpose, people just get freaking lost. And after you've had such massive purpose, because you wore the uniform, whether you're deployed or not, it is so hard to replace that. You can't replace it by going golfing on the golf course. You can't replace it with, uh, I mean, hobbies are great, you know, especially creative hobbies. A lot of people get into leatherwork or woodwork or uh, that's all good. You know, that's all good stuff. Move your body, pick a martial art or a racket sport or bloody anything. Just keep moving your body. But on top of that, just fucking help somebody once a week. And that will help you with your transition. And if you don't do it, well, you'll see him at the bar. Oh, those coping mechanisms. (laughs) This has been an awesome conversation. And I know there's so much we could literally do this all day. So is there, what is the thing that you most want to tell people? Be kind to yourself. Understand that it's an injury. You're not weak. And there is help. There is hope. You don't got to hide in, in, a, in a big rig truck on the highway. Nothing wrong with that. It's pretty cool. But you, that, you don't have to. Healing happens. Go to my show and pick a modality that works for you. Give Krista a call. Hire her. Do something, but do something. Don't isolate yourself. Isolation is the problem, not the cure. It's a coping mechanism that is the poison. It's like drinking. I've been sober for a year and a half, give or take. And it's not helpful. It's not helping you. You can move forward, but you've got to move. You've got to keep your feet moving. You've got to pick a direction. It doesn't matter which one it is. Just pick something. If you bump into the wall, turn around and go in a different direction, but keep moving. If you're in hell, keep moving. And there are resources. Just got to decide that life can be better and you're going to take responsibility for yourself to make sure that you're going to do whatever you can do to make it better. If all it is is listening to a podcast, hey, you got mine, you got Krista's, you got so many others. Uh, Kelsey Sharon has a Brass and Unity podcast dedicated to the same thing or similar. So tune into it, Brass and Unity. Um, pick something that works for you and lift yourself. Find, and there's what you'll find is that there are people everywhere that are looking to help you. There are resources everywhere. Some of them you got to pay for, most you don't. Veterans Affairs uh, covers more than you think that they do. So going to a peer support group with other people that's like, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? It's like, I never even heard of that. Yeah, well, uh, maybe maybe give them a call. But healing happens. There are more resources than you're aware of. Look for them. Find them. Use them. That's my message. I love that. I'll just add to that that 
whatever you try that doesn't work, don't let that stop you from keeping on trying. Just because one therapist didn't help you or one modality didn't help you or one coping strategy didn't help you, don't give up because there's a million different options and you just didn't find the one that works for you yet. You will if you keep looking. And listen to your instincts. You'll know when you connect with someone. You'll know when what they're saying sounds reasonable to you. And follow through with the things that feel good, the things that feel right, the people that make sense to you. If you hear something and you're like, that's stupid. Well, if you think it's stupid, you're not going to get any benefit from it right away until you don't think that it's stupid. So find something that doesn't sound stupid. (laughs) Do what you can do. Do that. And keep going. Just keep going. All right. Where can we find you, Mark? Operation Tango Romeo. Um, Tango Romeo stands for trauma recovery on any of the podcast channels. Uh, Apple seems to be where people go the most. Next is um, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Primary upload point is anchor.fm. So that's where it goes first. But um, yeah, Spotify is is probably my favorite place to go. And uh, if you want to learn more about it, uh, other than just on the podcast, operationtraumarecovery.org. So operationtraumarecovery.org is the website that was donated to me and where you can learn more and read the testimonials and and away you go all right you guys if you haven't heard his podcast if you haven't seen his podcast yet i do share it occasionally on the battle to be webpage. so we'll continue to do that so i'll make sure that the next few episodes that we can get a hold of we'll just go up there so people can track you down really easily and, and of course, the Facebook page, Operation Tango Romeo Facebook page. Uh, when I do the lives, that's the first place that you tend to see them for the visual. So the, the video library is on that Facebook page for Operation Tango Romeo. It's also on LinkedIn. Go there. Check it out. I can't even count. He's over, you're over 120 episodes now, right? 144, yeah. Okay. So there's every single one of those episodes talks about a healing professional, a healing modality, or something related to resources that you can use to help in this particular, in any trauma recovery situation. So no matter whether you're military, no matter whether you are in a helping profession, no matter if you've had childhood sexual abuse, all of these tools and resources are still going to be useful for you. So while the stories may be mostly specific to military, these tools still will help you. These tools still apply to you. Domestic violence, if you've been raped, these tools are also for you. So go there, find some resources, talk to Mark. He's amazing and have an amazing day from all of us at battle to be and Operation Tango Romeo. Thanks, Krista. All right, you guys, I just want to make one super quick announcement. We have a brand new program coming out to you that is an entry level program. So for some of you that don't want to invest the time or the money in doing one of our signature intensives that are 12 weeks, we now have 21 lesson 
options for you that you can do in less than a month, 10 minutes a day, total life-changing resources, super affordable. And this program is going to be also in our Layers of Love Buy One, Give One program. So it will cost you, for the first 10 people enrolled in the brand new Out of the Shadows program, it's only $150 for the 21 lesson program. You get a workbook, you get one deep dive session with me, and we'll still give one tuition waiver, one full access to one of our helping professionals in need. So if you're interested in that, hook up with me on Facebook or go to battletobe.org and we will be releasing a second mini course next week, we are hoping. So keep up with all the changes. There's a lot going on and we can't wait to provide more and more things that help you get and stay on your healing journey.